Today, Wild Women Who Write, Take Flight, is going to be talking with one of our members, Kim Conrad. As part of celebrating successes, we want to ask Kim some things about her upcoming book, Stealing Aries. We were all lucky enough to be part of the process as she was creating the work and to kind of get in her head and tell the wonderful things that sprang from it. And we want to share that with you. So Kim, your heroine is the thing that stands out for me in the book. Harlow Hansen. I think she is got it all going. How'd you come up with her? Well, I'm a big fan of strong women. When I was growing up, I gravitated towards shows like Wonder Woman, Bionic Woman. I couldn't get enough of that. And even shows like I Dream of Jeannie, yes, there was the whole master thing, right? <laughs> but she did have powers, right? And, and even something like Bewitched, there was the idea that these women had something about them that was special, that was powerful, something in them, uh, and, uh, some sort of strength. You know, and even though it, it might not have been plausible, they had something in them. And I felt like that had something in me. And, and all little girls should, should grow up feeling like they have something in them that no matter what happens to them, no matter how hard life is, they can reach down inside and know that that is there. And Harlow Hansen was that. She was that. She was everything that when I was a little girl, when I reached down inside and was looking for strength, that's what I wanted Harlow Hansen to be. And Harlow struggled. She grew up on a Mars colony where they have basically been abandoned after the call. This is 500 years in the future. They've set up this, col this colony on Mars, but the caldera under Yellowstone National Park blew. Ash circled the earth for decades. So there's famine, supplies can't get around the earth. You know, the people who are surviving, they can't take anything. They can't get supplies to the colonists on Mars. So the people on Mars are fending for themselves. And Harlow Hansen becomes the Robin Hood of the colonies. So the few bureaucrats that are there on Mars, she's taking wallets off of them and this kind of thing. And, and she's her people's hero. So she decides she's going to pull off the heist of a lifetime. There's a big starship sitting there, and it's been sleeping for two decades. Nobody can figure out why the thing won't wake up. So she decides she's going to strip the thing. But there's a prince there who's decided it's his mission to wake the thing up. So when she sneaks on board, surprise, the starship wakes up and starts speaking to her. Which goes back to what you, your, your question was, you know, what is it about Harlow? Why Har Tell me about Harlow. Well, there's something in her, just like, again, all little girls should know there's something in them. And that's why the starship ultimately speaks to her. You know, yes, I wrote that there's something in, in her head. Spoiler. <laughs> there's something <laughs> in her head that was planted in her head a long time ago, the reason why the ship speaks to her. But in a larger sense, I believe all little girls should know they are powerful no matter where they come from, no matter what their social, economic, race, whatever, they're powerful and they can make it through anything and that is the epitome of Harlow Hansen. And in doing that you ensure that you're going to have a generation and hopefully generations to come of women who recognize their power. They've never even thought they didn't have power because they're reading about the Harlow Hansons and, and the women that they're watching, they can do things. 
Yeah, they can say things. Yeah, and people are going to listen because they're going to listen. So that is super important. It does have a sci-fi element. I really believe good sci-fi and good, well, almost historical fiction, historical romance, you can pretty much set it anywhere because people are people and the principles are the principles. But I know you had a problem with this because you thought of this disaster before the pandemic. Now, you changed your disaster. Can you just tell right. us about that? Yeah, yeah. I wrote this, started writing this in, in 2016, and I had read books about the Spanish flu pandemic, you know, that happened in like 1918 or 1920. And, and I was fascinated with it. So my original problem that stranded the colonists on Mars 500 years from now was originally like a flu pandemic that circled the earth and killed so many people and created a problem for, for the people on Mars because earth was crippled and so many people had died. But then by the time I was ready to shop this to agents and editors and publishing houses, they it, the pandemic literally was happening here and up on agent websites and publishers websites they were saying no pandemic stories because their inbox was getting flooded with these stories and for a while i just put the thing in a drawer because i was like i would have to rewrite so much of this and i just couldn't handle the thoughts of it i'm like i don't know what to do and i remember i believe it was episode four or right around in there with our podcast we showed up here, and I was like, I'm just going to focus everything on my OCD memoir that I had co-wrote with my daughter. And I showed up here, and Kathy, you said, oh, tonight's podcast, wouldn't it be fun if we did a podcast where we all show up and we answer questions as our character? And I said, well, you know, the book I'm focusing on is memoir. If I'm answering as my character, I'm just answering as me. Well, that's boring. I'm already me. <laughs> And so I thought, well, I'll answer as Harlow. And I had not even touched that story in so long because of the pandemic thread. And, um, but I started answering the questions as Harlow, and I missed Harlow. It, it reminded me of how much I love Harlow and how much I missed her. And I don't know when or if I would have gotten back to Stealing Aries if you hadn't. It's interesting how these things happen in our lives to bring us back around to where we need to be you know, call it fate, synchronicity, you know, whatever you want to call it. But when you did that, had us do that exercise, it made me realize how much I missed Harlow. That's when I got that manuscript back out of the drawer. And that's when I remembered how much I loved Harlow. And so I decided my new catastrophe that would strand these people on Mars, I was like, well, the caldera underneath Yellowstone National Park, if that thing went up, you know, really went up, you know, ash would circle the earth, could circle the earth, depending on how bad of an explosion it is for generations. Well, I think Harlow was just waiting to be awakened. I, I get this, I feel like we all get this, I guess, it's symbiotic relationship with our characters where we don't realize they're not done with us. We think yeah. we're done with them, but ha-ha, they're not done with us. So I think that's very exciting. We have... The rest of the wild women here who were with Kim on the journey, I know that you guys have something that you want to ask her about the prince, maybe. <laughs> I was wondering where you came up with the idea of her name Harlow. I love that name. Was there any, like, how did that come to you? Is there any story behind that or just like the way it sounded? Or I thought it was a beautiful name after my daughter Bray was born. I was watching... Um, 
on TLC, the Learning Channel, they used to have, I don't know if they still do, these pregnancy stories where you would follow a mom, you know, through her pregnancy and birth, and, and she gave birth to twins. And I forget what the other twin's name was, but one of them she named Harlow. And, and then there's also Jean Harlow. Isn't That's that? who I thought of. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just love that name. It just stuck in my head. But it was too late to name one of my children Harlow. <laughs> and so I thought, Harlow. And I thought, Harlow Hansen. <laughs> you know, and so I guess maybe I was doing the Stan Lee thing, you know, mm -hmm. like um, Green Goblin, Millie the Model, <laughs> Peter Parker, you know, the, the alliteration. Alliteration, yeah. Yeah, and so Harlow Hansen, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it's been... A lot of fun to be in the broader Atlanta critique group where you're sharing some of your sequel. That's been that's been really fun. Yeah, about 230 pages in, so that's that, that's been fun. And, and the thing is, the cast of characters is getting broader, broader, mm -hmm. broader. So that's been a challenge, but fun. Well, there'll be spinoffs. You know, that's yes. what's fun to me is you sort of fall in love with some of your not main characters, but some of your minor characters, and then you want to know more about them, and then you want us to know more about them, and then they have a story. Exactly. So it's it doesn't really have fun. to end. We can follow them all for many, <laughs> many books. I was just thinking that the way that you were talking about that you're, the people that you looked up at were like Wonder Woman and all that, well, Harlow Hansen is going to be some little girl's Wonder Woman. I hope so. I hope Why not? so. Yeah, because I don't ever want kids, especially kids growing up in, in difficult home life, you know, situation to feel that they're powerless. They're not. They're powerful beyond what they can imagine. You know, they just have to find that strength in themselves. Did you specifically set the tone as sci-fi because you were trying to appeal to younger readers? No, I, I genuinely love science. In fact, I started out as a physics major, believe it or not, until the math made me cry. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then when I was in my English classes, my professor was, was telling me, I think, you know, I think you have a knack for this, you know, and they, they really humbled me with, with their faith in me when they told me how much they appreciated my writing, and, and I thought, well, I could can do this and you know it won't make me cry <laughs> I love it so much and then in the 90s I really fell in love with uh, books by Fred Allen Wolf and uh, Paul Davies and where they would talk about uh, parallel universes and um, that this all might be in we all might be in the mind of an AI somewhere <laughs> you know multiple universe string theory and theory and my mind just exploded <laughs> and now I have books by um, uh, Michio Kaku and, and uh, these folks, but I, I just was just in love with it. So yeah, that's why it went there. And I mean, by the way, the science in my book, don't let the sci-fi romance title fool you, because the science in my book is 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 well researched, and there's nothing in there that I haven't at least researched from a theoretical perspective. It's at least theoretically possible. Well, I know I have really enjoyed getting to know. Harlow along the way. I think we all have and we can't wait for her book to come out and we can't wait. There could be some interesting things going on in the sequel with Harlow and things. So thank you so much for joining us to hear about Kim Conry and we'll have information about how you can order her book in the description. Thank you for joining us.
Thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. We welcome your comments and invite you to check out our Wild Women Who Write website. Until next time, keep writing and stay wild.